Thanks so much, Pastor Mark. Hello, everybody. Hey, I, I just have to take a second just to uh, say how much I love, appreciate, and respect Pastor Mark and Barb and really the whole team. I mean, Kirby's such a buddy of mine and, and just the whole crew. Uh, but the longer that I do ministry, the more meaningful the relationships become. And when he's talking about just the years of conventions and camps and things like that, so many God moments, so many uh, wonderful, rich memories as I just reflect on the goodness of God and times together. And so when I get to come here and be a part of a weekend like this, uh, for me, it's just such a treat. So uh, Pastor Mark, sincerely, thank you uh, for the privilege. It, It means a ton to me. And I just don't know of anybody I could think of that I would just say, I I just think more highly of them than I do your superintendent. I know that you're blessed. I know that you realize how blessed you are to have him at that point leadership role. And when it comes to pulling off an event like this and the rest of the stuff that's on the calendar, I know it takes a team. There are a lot of hands involved in, in the mix of things, but no one would experience more spiritual warfare Uh, carry more burden of responsibility, more ownership of just stewarding what God is doing in the Assemblies of God Minnesota District than Pastor Mark Dean. And so we want to acknowledge that and say thank you for the way you lead so skillfully and so honoring to the Lord. Uh, We thank you for that and we honor you today. Can we just show our appreciation and love for Pastor Mark? Well, I I hope that you're ready for the Lord to speak to you tonight because God wants to speak. Can you say amen to that? God has something to say to all of us. The question is whether or not we're ready to listen. But, hey, you've, you've done as much to get here. You may as well go ahead and receive what the Lord has done for you. As a matter of fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you right now and say, you look like you need a little church. Go ahead and just tell them that. You, you, you look like you, you Tell the other person on the other side, you need a word from God. I can tell just by the look in your eyes, you need a word from God. (laughs) How many of you, honestly, you believe that the Lord has something for you tonight, just by an uplifted hand? You believe God has something for you tonight? I mean, you're here, right? You're in the room. Uh, Did you bring your faith with you? Did you bring some expectation with you? And I know that you may be carrying all kinds of stuff as you come into the service tonight, many of you have been here through multiple services, some, some just uh, wonderful, powerful times throughout the week already. Some of you maybe you just got in last night or just today, but regardless, God has something he wants to speak, not just to us, but to you and to me. And uh, if, if you're tired, if you're like, man, I'm too tired to even listen, well, if you can just kind of like prop your head up in my direction and make me think that you're listening, that will help a little bit, and if you were like, man, I, <clears throat> I'm at a stage in life to where, uh, man, it's just hard, or I'm tired, or I'm discouraged, and, and we talk about bringing my faith, I mean, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not even so sure that I have the faith for God to move in my life tonight. Um, I'm so sincere when I say this, not to sensationalize it, but just to speak out the sincerity of my heart. I believe God wants to do something in our hearts tonight that would mark us I believe that God wants to speak something to us that would alter our lives. I don't believe that God has brought us into this place tonight to kill an hour and a half and leave the same. Can anybody say amen to that? Like, I really genuinely believe that a shift can happen in your life, that God can speak to you, lift something off you that you should not be carrying, place something in your hands that you need to be 
possessing. I really, really believe that. And if you're struggling to have faith for that, can I just tell you, I got enough faith for all of us in this room tonight. So if you need to borrow some of mine, I got you. All right. Because God is going to move. Can you say amen to that? I just believe it. I'm ready for it. So I'm excited. I'm going to preach to myself tonight. Well, I do want to show you a picture of my beautiful family that I love so much. There's my crew right there. That's my bride, Casey. She's my best friend. She's my bestest friend in the whole wide world. She was so close to making this trip. Ah, we were so close, and it didn't work out this time. But please let us come back, Pastor Mark, because she's got to come with me on on the next trip, uh, especially for family camp. But so that's Casey, and then you can see, as Pastor Mark mentioned, I got, I got six, six. Six blessings from the Lord right there. Six tax write-offs. That doesn't do near enough to help, but I got six of them. All of them are boys except for the five girls right there. You see them. So that's Candace, Kelly Grace, Bree, Allison, Angel, and the champ, Jordan. He FaceTimed me during worship a minute ago. He didn't know we were in worship, but I answered it anyway, and I just held it up, and I looked at his face. He thought he was in trouble, and he hung up and texted me, sorry, Dad. And I was like, no, you're good. Welcome to church. But anyway, he is FaceTiming me. He's my buddy, and uh, we have a lot of fun. So friends asked me, like, dude, what in the world are you going to do? Five girls, what are you going to do when it comes time for all those weddings? How in the world are you going to pay? for all those weddings as if I hadn't thought about that right as if I hadn't prayed about that but here's the cool thing my friends apparently didn't know I'll share it with you this will encourage some of you I talked to the Lord and the rapture is going to happen before my girls get married come on can you believe with me can we just celebrate that together no man knows the day or the hour all we know for sure is that it will be before my children My daughters get married. So praise the Lord. The rapture is coming. So anybody excited about the rapture for real, though? You're looking forward to it? In case maybe you're newer to the church scene, you're like, rapture, rap, is that like a rap group? What are you talking about? What do you mean? No, we're talking about when Jesus calls his people home. Man, the trumpet's going to sound, and man, in the twinkling of an eye, We're all just going to be caught up together with the Lord, and we're going to be with him forever and ever. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the trumpet. I cannot wait for the rapture. Anybody excited about heaven? Come on, no more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more disease, no more coronavirus. Thank you, Jesus. No no more mass vaccinations, political craziness, no more. I can't wait to get to heaven. Have I said anything that's excited you? Yeah, come on, no more taxes. Like, what do I need to say? Like, heaven is going to be awesome. I can't wait to get there. I, I, have you had some days, like, some days more than others? Like, Lord, in case you're open to input today, it'd be a great day for the rapture. You ever had any days like that? Uh, have you ever thought about what you'd like to be doing? When the rapture happens, you ever thought about that? Because I've thought about that before. It's like, have you ever thought about that? Like, we want the rapture to happen. Have you ever thought about what you'd like to be doing? Well, there are probably some things you don't want to be doing. Like, you don't want the, ha- the rapture to happen on the day that you sleep in and don't go to church, right? <laughs> you start making excuses. I was about to go. You know, on the way up, you're trying to justify. What would you like to be doing? Think about it for just a second, because I'd just be curious. Think about it for just a second. What would you like to be doing when the rapture happens? Thinking about it? 
All right, so on three, I want you to tell me, like, what your answer would be, all right? So tell me, on three, does that mean, like, out loud? Okay, so one, two, three. What would you like to be doing? So I didn't understand a bit of that. I didn't understand a thing. But some people would like to be praying. How cool would it be to be praying? You're like, dear Lord. He's like, yes. You're like, ha, there he is. Like, that would be awesome. That would be really cool. How cool would it be to be worshiping God? Come on, would that be awesome? At family camp. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't that be awesome? You're just in the middle of worshiping God. Hands raised. Some of y'all, some of y'all don't raise your hands. You're too sophisticated. But, you know, hands up in there. You're worshiping God. You're, you're singing. A song. You're loving on Jesus. Like, I can only imagine. He's like, open your eyes. You don't have to. Just check it out. Like, that would be awesome. I can't, I, honestly, I cannot wait for heaven. The presence of everything good, the absence of anything bad, I, I can't wait to be in God's presence. I can't wait to be with the one who gave his life for me. I can't wait to look at him in the eyes to say, thank you. I've told him so many times, thank you for not giving up on me. I've told him so many times, thank you, Lord, for saving me. I've told him so many times, thank you for, for never stopping loving. Thank you, thank But I can't wait to look at him in the eyes and just say, Jesus Thank you. I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. And just with the cares of this world and the burdens that we carry, I, I honestly, I can't wait to be free of just this sin-cursed world. I can't wait for it. I, I, I've thought at times, how cool would it have been if, uh, if God, now I know God's got everything under control. He doesn't need my help. But I'm just saying, like, if, if he just wondered, like, what I would have thought. Like, I, it, it, I think that it, it would have been cool if, like, right at salvation, like, right at, at the prayer of, 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 of asking God into my heart, like, at the moment of conversion, like, I don't know, it just seems like it'd be cool if in that moment, if I said, Jesus, come into my heart, be Savior and Lord of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. It'd be so cool. I think if he just said, come on in, you're, you're, you're in, come on into heaven. And it'd be like, man, you just pray, and then you're in the presence of God. Like, that would just be like, you just get, you don't have to worry about anything else anymore. Just get saved and go to heaven. Except for he has a plan, right? There, there, there's a mission. Um, there's like an assignment. Um, I'm, I'm going to heaven. Is that how you know that? The Bible. Like, I know it. I'm not guessing I'm baking my soul on the stuff in this book. Can you say amen to that? Like, I'm going to heaven. But between the right here and the forever there, he's left me here. And, and yet there's only one, one reason. There, there's, there's, there are a list of things I'm doing, but there's only one reason why I am still here. Uh, there's only a sole purpose, a singular purpose reason or mission there's only one reason why I'm still here it's to reach one more person while there's still time you're bound for heaven right I didn't lose you already right wave at me if you're going to heaven wave at me if you know that you're going to heaven you just know that you're going to heaven you can wave your hand you have a chance in a minute all right to make that right but you know that you're going to heaven you know you're on the way you're not there yet but your heart is still beating here and the only reason your heart is still beating here the only reason the only 
reason you're still here and you got up again today is because there are others that God wants us to now go and say, come and see. Let me tell you about a man who changed my life. Come and see. Let me tell you about one. Let me tell you about a king. Let me tell you about a Lord. Let me tell you about my healer. Let me tell you about the one who's given me. Let me tell you about Jesus, the only reason we even are still here. And yet the sad reality is that a lot of times, all too easily, we can become distracted and we can lose sight of our mission. So my title for now, if you're taking notes, because I know for some of you, like you, your, your personality type, whatever, like if you don't give me a title, I'm about to freak out, right? Okay, so here is your title. It's the mission of missions. You could call it Make It Count. The mission of missions. Pastor Mark referenced it a minute ago when he said in Luke 19, verse 10, that Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save, what does it say? The lost. I've come to seek and to save. That's all. The reason why Jesus came to earth is the same reason why you and I are still here. And he said, and if you're going to follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He said, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow in my footsteps, you're going to do what I came to do, to seek and to save the lost, which is interesting to me how our churches can have so many of us show up on Sundays who all in the name of we're on our way to heaven and we're followers of Jesus, but we just don't share the same mission that Jesus shared. I don't mean in belief, I mean in behavior. Um, that we're not gripped with that same mission of the, the missions. It's like we're, we're, we're not passionately reaching and, and, and sharing and, 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 and giving and, and going and sending. And, and, and I would just say that there's got to be some type of breakdown there that at some point as the church we step back and go, wait, I don't think that's the way God intended it. It's the Holy Spirit do a work in me. Because if the only thing that you're waiting on is for me to reach more people while there's still time on the clock, then I gotta be about the Father's business. Uh, I, I, was, I was in a store a while back, and uh, I don't even remember what I was getting. I don't, I don't go to a store a lot. Like, that's, that's like, that's, uh, I'm allergic like, to shopping in places. Like, they just, my wife, she's gifted. She got a spiritual gift. She can do it. She enjoys it. She's got an anointing to spend money. But anyway, for me, like, I, don't like going, I don't like going shopping. But I was, for whatever reason, I was in a store. And there's this guy. And so I felt like the Lord impressed it on my heart. I felt like I, I, should, I should share Jesus with him. And so, you know, I'm trying to um, just... Started conversation. It was cool at first when it was just conversation, you know, like, oh man, trying, trying, trying to find the fishing poles. You know where the fishing poles are, or whatever, like that. I don't, I don't think it was fishing poles, but whatever it was. And so we're talking and everything. And and so then I say to him, I say, uh, hey man, do you have a church that you go to around here? And um, have you ever started to share Jesus with somebody? And when you did, you could tell like right out of the gate. They were trying to pretend like they knew what you were talking about, but they didn't have a clue what you were talking about. Have you ever had that happen before? So I was like, hey, man, you got a, you got a church you go to? He's like, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I was like, you know, ah, no, he doesn't. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to call him out totally. So instead, I just asked him. I said, cool, which one is it? And you know the brother's line when he can't remember the name of his church. You know what I'm saying? I was like, cool, which one is it? Is that, uh, I just, I guess, right, kind of here and there. Oh, that's cool, man. That's, that's really cool. So I thought, well, let's move off the church. So I said, so, man, what, tell me about when you came to know Jesus. Like, tell me about that. And his response was, he, li- he literally, the guy says, he goes, that's personal. It is, it's what? He said, it's personal. I don't, I don't talk about that. That's, that's my personal business. And then at that point, I was just like, am I just going to just be honorary? You know, am I just going to mess with him now? And I chose not to because I'm trying to win friends and influence people, you know. So I'm just like, say something nice and just get out of the man's space, you know. So I tried to be nice and, you know, just hey, and then get out of there. But I just thought, it's so weird to hear somebody say that out loud, I'm just used to all of us living like that. I'm just not used to somebody saying it out loud. Like We all go to church with folk who think like that. I'm just saying it's weird when somebody says out loud, when you go, tell me about Jesus. That's per- We don't talk about that. That's, that's weird when you say it out loud. But it's crazy how common it is if we were to follow a lot of church folk around and their behavior is like, oh, I love God. I believe I go to church. I, I got a soul. I, I just don't talk about it. I must, it just must be so personal. How many of us can just say today, we understand that is incompatible with biblical Christianity, and it looks nothing like what Jesus has called us to do as followers of Christ. Now, in case you're like, man, he's, he's coming in strong. Here we are a few minutes into it, and he's already ticked off and shouting and spitting, and he's, he's looking at me. I'm looking at everybody. All right, I'm not trying to sing you out. If the Holy Spirit's looking at you, don't blame me. All right, but listen, but the thing is, I promise you, it's not in my notes. Beat the people up and make everybody feel guilty. That is not written in here. But as I was praying, I do believe that the Lord's going to stir our hearts to call us to a greater place of being on mission because time is short can you receive a word like that tonight like honestly like wherever you are you may have led 20 people to the lord this uh this morning okay you may but maybe god's going to call you to 25 can you just be open to wherever you are god pulling you a little deeper tonight can you say amen to that tell your friend you need some of that go ahead tell them that say you need that you know you do Tell somebody about Jesus. All right, quickly, I'm going to get to our teaching text tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want us to learn from that great missionary, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you're familiar with this letter to the church in Corinth, if, you're, uh, if you've read through this uh, on occasion, you'll notice when we come to chapter 9, in particular what Paul is speaking to here in the church of Corinth, he's addressing this issue of how uh, the people were a bit overly concerned with their personal freedoms. I don't mean freedom like in a positive sense, like didn't, you know, sparklers and shouldn't we all be excited about freedom? I don't mean that. I mean, they, they're wanting to take their liberties just to the extreme, as much as I can. Like, how much can I just be me and enjoy all that I want? And Paul's like, let me, let me just write this kind of, put this in a letter for you. It's not about your freedoms. 
that it's not about you trying to embrace and get as close to the world as you can and enjoy as much as the world has to offer you. It's not so much about that. It's how much of your freedoms are you willing to sacrifice in order to be on mission? That's kind of what Paul is speaking to here when we pick up the story. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. If you're ready for this, say, "Uh uh-huh. Come on, if you mean it, say, oh, yeah. Somebody say, preach it, preacher. Okay, here we go, here we go. You asked for it, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 says, Woe to me, Paul says, if I do not preach the gospel. He's saying, far be it. Man, let it be cursed. Whoa, no. If I don't preach the gospel, for I do this of my own will. If I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but if not by my own will, I'm still entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my reward? Remember, he's talking about freedom. So I'm going to license to do whatever in personal gain. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as to not make full use of my right in the gospel. He's talking about his willing to serve and to work and to not be labeled as one who's out for any personal profit or gain, and yet he was deserving. In verse 19, he says, for though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Somebody say, more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. And look at this last part of verse 22. He says, I have become all things, somebody say all things, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. There are three words that I kind of just take out of this passage that I just want to share these three words with you and a few thoughts, and then we're going to respond. And I believe that God's going to speak to hearts. Paul was on mission. First word I would pull from it is that he was committed. He said in verse 16, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. He was committed. He was dedicated. I think of what he said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He was on mission. He was committed. He was sold out. He was all about it. Woe to me if I don't do it. Oh, you're worried about me? You're trying to, in the book of Acts, you're trying to encourage me? You're concerned about me? Listen, let me tell you about my life. My life is nothing. All I care about is carrying out the assignment, the mission that God's given me. The mission of telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. It's what I'm all about. I'm, I'm committed. And as a follower of Jesus, sharing Christ with others, Spreading the mission story of Jesus Christ across the globe 
is not supposed to be a priority. It's supposed to be the priority. Remember the whole reason why we got up today? Remember the whole reason why our hearts are still beating? It's not a thing to do. It's not a reason. It is the mission. It is the assignment. Everything else pales in comparison. As a youth pastor, I was, I was at this camp. My family had gone with me to this youth camp. I don't even know how many youth camps we've been a part of, Mark, like right over the years, every single summer. And at this time, we, 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 had take, we had piled up the kids in the car. Now, we didn't have Jordan at the time. I don't remember how long it goes, but we were Jordan-less, all right? So we just had all girls. But it's still one of those things where every time you get in the family minivan, you got to do the roll call, right? You gotta, you've got so many, you don't know. You might just leave somebody. Not that that ever happened. It, it did not happen more than three or four times ever. I'm talking about ever, ever. In the totality of their lives, just a handful of times, found most of them most of the time. All right, so on this one trip, we had gone at this campground. <clears throat> now, what <clears throat> was kind of interesting about this camp is that uh, we were notified that there, there, there had been a crime in the area. Uh, specifically, uh, a, a dude had, had killed somebody. He, he had murdered someone and was, was on the run. And when I say on the run, uh, they had him cornered to the woods where our, our camp was. So they kind of had a general. At the actual camp, literally during the day, you would see helicopters flying over. I'm like, man, if he starts coming over this way, I'm running. I am running really fast. But we were on edge to say the least. So we got security just watching everything. We're like, man, should we just cancel? Should we just leave? You know, what's going on? Obviously, they haven't found him yet, so we're trying to stay in touch with the authorities. Well, it comes time for the camp to be done, and, and we, we load up the family minivan, and, and um, we notice that Bria, uh, my third daughter, is not in the family minivan. Like, where's Bria? I don't know. I'm ready to go. We're tired. It's been camp you know I'm worn out and just let's go home we're well we don't have Bria and so when my wife said we don't have Bria I said well we have four other daughters so we're good let's go <laughs> I did not say that out loud I did not say it out loud no Bria's my baby and so we got out and we started going I was like I'm just frustrated Bria where are you Bria Bria, we look in the cafeteria, can't find the cafeteria, look in the dorms, calling out, Bria, can't find her in the dorms, you know, looking out in the wreck area, Bria, calling. Now, after a little while, how many of you know you start getting a little bit nervous, right? So now we're telling the leaders, can you help us find Bria? Thank you very much. And everybody's spreading around, asking security, anybody seen Bria? Nobody's seen Bria. Well, Bria, now you hear people calling her name across, like, the campground. So about now, I'm getting really spiritual. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm talking to God like at, at a prayer level, like it, it, I'm not used to praying at that. I'm, I'm, I'm begging, Jesus, help the Lord Jesus. Oh, Bria, calling out to God, calling out for Bria. Cannot find her anywhere. You know, I've told this story before and I, and I didn't finish it. And my wife rebuked me. She said, you never told the people that we found her. How could you do that? I said, that's good preaching right there. You just leave them hungry. You just leave them wondering what happened. Finally, we, I'm, I'm going to tell it. All right, I'm going to tell it. We found her. And uh, people said, well, where was she? Well, when, that's what I wanted to know, right? So I said, Britt, did you not hear us calling you? She said, oh, yes, I heard, I heard you. I heard you. I said, 
Where were you? She said, I was under the bed in the cabin. I said, we went in the cabin. She said, oh, yeah, I know. I heard it. You heard me calling you? And she said, yeah, I heard you. I heard you calling. I said, then why didn't you answer? She said, because we were playing hide and seek, and I didn't want to get caught. Yeah, well. She's uh, still grounded today. She's 16 years old, but she's still grounded today. Pray for Bria. She's awesome. You know what? There was nothing about the pursuit of Bria that was like uh, an obligation. I didn't need any cheerleaders. I didn't need anybody to tell me how important it was. I mean, my heart was pounding. My voice was calling out. I was searching high and low. That's my baby. That's my Bria. I didn't need anybody to say to me, Scotty, don't give up. I never said to anybody, well, I checked three or four places. Must not be God's will. Yeah, I didn't say that. Why? Because it was my baby. It wasn't a thing to do that day. (laughs) It wasn't a priority to do if I got to it. Everything else stopped. Nothing else mattered. And if you would have come up to me and said, hey, I just wanted to talk about the NBA finals, I'd say, who gives a rip about the finals? Trying to find my baby. If you'd have said, hey, I just want to tell you, I'm bothered by what's going on in Washington. I don't care about Washington, D.C. right now. I want to find my baby. She said, well, I saw on social media. I don't give a rip about social media. I'm trying to find my baby. Are you getting what I'm saying today? Somewhere, somehow, along the way. On mission of following Jesus and him saying the only reason I came to earth was to seek and save the lost the only reason Scotty you're still here right now is to seek and save the lost somehow somewhere along the way in my following of Jesus to be a fisher of men I allow stuff to distract me from mission and chip away at my commitment not because I wanted to It just sometimes does. When you're committed to the mission, you choose your job based on your mission. You choose whether or not you play the sport, young person, based on your mission. You manage your budget based on mission. Everything falls in alignment with why I'm saying I'm still here. It doesn't make sense for it to be separate. Why? Like Paul, there's a commitment to assignment. There's a second word that I see in this passage that jumps out to me, not only his commitment, but his compassion. Chapter 9, verse 19, he says, for though I am free from all, Look at what he says. I've made myself a, what does it say? A servant to all that I might win more of them. He didn't 
get consumed with self, but he was compassionate and caring for others. He says, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I, not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. You're like, has Paul got issues? Is he having like a, a crisis of identity? Uh, is he confused with who he is? He, he, he's not, he's not, he's not uh, wavering back and forth like, I don't know who I am. Uh, we might say it like this today. Uh, to those who cheer for the Packers, I became one who cheered for the Packers. Okay, all right. He might say to those who cheer for the Vikings, I became one who cheers for the Vikings. Anybody cheer for the Vikings? Y'all are so scared to cheer because you're like, is that, is that secular? Is that ungodly? What's he about to say? Is he? You're like, I don't watch football. I don't even know what you're talking about. NF what? I don't, NFL? I don't know. No, it's okay. I'm saying it's like, it's as if Paul was saying to those who are interested in this, to those who are focused on that, to those who are from here, he's not saying, I'm just running around trying to be, be, be everything. He's saying, I'm trying to say, I care more about building a bridge to you than winning an argument with you. Man, is that different from what we see on social media. It's not compassion. not compassion it's not a burden for souls we're not trying to make a difference we're trying to make a point we're not trying to win a heart we're trying to win an argument I think that God's just looking at us going to seek and to save the lost somebody's soul this is the mission this is why you're still there But when we get caught up an hour today, we'll lose sight of somebody else's forever. And Paul is saying, man, it's not about me and my freedom, not about me and my preferences. It's not about me and my convenience or me and my comfort. I'm not saying that there aren't important things that we deal with while on earth. I'm just saying, make sure that you never lose sight about the fact that they're temporal. It's temporary. And don't win on something that's temporary and lose on something that's eternal. Don't fall for that. You're off mission. You're off mission. You're off. It's wrong. God's saying, time out. No. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to show. I'm going to tell. No. Paul is saying, whoever it is, whatever it is, man, I'm just going to meet them there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to show them the love of Jesus. Do you know how many times Jesus got criticized and ridiculed because somebody thought they should have, that Jesus should have been stepping up and, 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 and spitting truth and, and firing condemnation at somebody and calling somebody a sinner? And, and we'd look at that and go, well, he should have. That was sin or that, that was a bad person. He should have. But he's like, no. There's something bigger going on here but she was caught in the act of adultery. No! Yes, she's got to make better choices. Yes, something needs to be different. Yes, they need to go and sin, but there's something bigger here going on. Does that drive you? Compassion. Talking about compassion. Paul says, I got freedom, but it's not about my freedom. 
I've made my ser- myself a servant so I can win somebody. If I were to say, show of hands, how many of you want to be a servant of God, we'd all raise our hand. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to embarrass us. But if we all raise our hand, we all want to be servants until somebody treats us like one. And like, Who do you think you are? Do you know who I am? Oh, I thought you said you were a servant. God, break my heart. Break my heart. And so it forced me to stop and think about why do I often lose compassion? Because here's the hard part for me. Like if I'm looking at something in the Bible, it's like your heart should be more burdened for the lost. It's hard for me to fabricate that. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Like it's hard to be like, I'm going to be more compassionate. Starting now, go. All of a sudden, I just feel the feels. How do you, you can't fabricate compassion. But I do believe that you could either cultivate it or kill it based off of how you go through your life. I think we can cultivate it. One of the ways that we cultivate it is by keeping our eyes on the mission and the assignment and allowing our hearts and our minds to dwell on the reality of, I think it was Mark's wife this week who spoke on the reality of hell. How many of you know that hell is a real place? It wasn't created for you or me. It's created for devil and the demons who rebelled against God, but there will be people who go there because they chose to refuse God's free gift of grace. And God's wanting to send us to rescue as many as we can while we still can. But what will drive us, will help us to focus, is when we live with compassion, which means I've got to stop and I've got to think about that from time to time. But can I be vulnerable with you for a moment? I don't like to think about that. Because I think this is true for everybody, but especially for the fellows as a rule, Guys like to fix things, right? So we hear all the funny things in counseling, everything. It's just true. Like, I know that. I, I, I counsel married couples like, oh, God, don't be a fixer. But at home, you know what I try and do? I try and fix it. Like, as soon as my wife starts talking about something, like, well, what you should do? And here, let me give you four quick things right here. Let me just help you. Let me help you do that. I want to fix it. So it's hard for me to look at something that's painful and hard that I don't feel like I can just fix so it can be something silly, like you're watching TV, and you, you know you've seen these commercials that come on, and it's, it's like to, to feed a child who's hungry, and, and it, it can be a legitimate need like that, but it could, it could be something like rescuing a puppy. It can be something like that. It could be rescue this puppy, and whenever I see that, you know what I do? Change the channel. I'm going to get it off of that. And you know what, you know what happens when you got... Uh, 17 girls in the house, you know what happened? Turn it back. Turn, who changed it? Turn it back, Dad. Turn it back. And I'm like, why? Just turn it back. So I'll turn it back. And they want to sit there and just stare at it and ooh and ah and cry. Oh, look. Oh. Little puppy. Little puppy. Dad, come. No, 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 no. I'm wanting to turn it. But you know what? It's just weird to me. That is so hard for me to connect the dots on that. They want to like, they want to take a minute, stare at it, think about it, and their hearts are stirred. My MO is don't look at it, don't think about it, keep moving. So if you were to ask me two or three minutes later, like, hey man, you okay, you doing all right? I'd be like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Because I've moved on. And yet I feel like God has convicted me at times that that's how I do when it comes to lost humanity. 
because I can't, quote unquote, reach the world. But God hasn't called me to reach everybody in the world, but he's called me to pray. He's called me to go where I can go, to give what he enables me to give, to send those that I can send. He's called me to do my part, but I lose my compassion when I lose sight of the urgency of the mission. There's this last word. As a matter of fact, worship team, you can come get in place if you would, please. Last word here, again, for those that are taking notes, for you, you notice all of these started with a C. You're welcome. And there are three of them. You're welcome. So just write that down. You'll just be able to sleep well tonight going, you know, he had a title and everything. Three points. They all started with C. It was God moved. God moved. Paul was committed. He was compassionate. And I had to use this last word because to me, it kind of takes it to another level. I would say Paul was consumed. I mean, I think it would probably be where in our day and time today, we would look at somebody living with that much zeal and dedication and fire and passion about reaching the lost and be like, yeah, they're, they're, they're a little extra, a little much, a little over the top, ah, a little fanatical. I don't know, he's a good guy. He's good. He loves God and everything. He's just a little, little, little hyper side. Can't go to Freddy's Hamburg without him witnessing to somebody. He's going to witness to the... He's gonna, can't go get a, a ice cream. He's going to be talking about Jesus. He's, just, he's, a, he's, a, oh, he's a good guy. He's just a little out there. Because Paul said, and that also the Jew became a Jew to those under the honor of the not under the I, I, I became to the weak I became weak and, and I have to become all things. Somebody say all things. He said, I become all things to all men that by all possible means I might reach some. He's like, I'm cool if I do all of this work my tail off stay laser focused give my all knowing I can't reach everybody but by the grace of God I'm going to reach somebody it was consumed it reminds me of when Satan tried to tempt Jesus to get him off track off mission remember Matthew 4 offered him power offered him uh, personal satisfaction appealed to his fleshly appetite Jesus wasn't shaken he refused it he stayed on mission because of that you and I get to go to heaven because he stayed on mission And it made me wonder this question. How hard does the devil have to work to knock you off mission? I don't mean that you don't go to church. I don't mean that you don't believe in God. Because we can do all of that. Be off of mission. 
I'm doing all that I can to reach as many as I can while I still can with the hope of Jesus Christ. There's a young lady who was at a camp I spoke at a few years back. And uh, she, during one of the services, felt like I was speaking to her heart to be a missionary. I didn't know about her story until just a few days ago. So that started the process of her pursuing the call of God. But along the way, the enemy was trying to do everything that he could to knock her off of mission. But she continued to press through and think, even though I'm a single girl, I, I know that I can still do it. I know that I can still go and give my life. And overcame several just bumps along the way. Then two years ago, she found out that her mom had cancer. Heard her siblings, her dad, they were, they were devastated. They called out to God. They had people praying all over the nation. At one point, they thought that the cancer was gone, and so we're celebrating and testifying only for the cancer to return. She was confused. She was working through just the questions. I said, yes, Lord, that I go be a missionary. And now my mom's got cancer. So right at two years ago, her mom died, went to be with Jesus. It was so cool because instead of knocking her off mission, it reinforced her resolve and her purpose because she's just consumed with the call of God. She said, I'm going to do it. We asked her to come and speak to the students at our church last week at our youth camp. And two days before the youth camp, she was driving up a very busy interstate through Houston, Texas. And <clears throat> she had some smoke in her car, so she called her dad on the phone. She's like, Dad, my car is smoking right now. So her dad was trying to walk her through. Okay, well, you know, shut your vents, and what is the dashboard saying? And so she's trying to look at it. She's like, Dad, it's a lot of smoke. He's like, okay, well, here's what you need. She's like, Dad, my car is on fire. And he said, get to the side of the road as quickly as you could. She was in the third lane in in fast traffic, car filling with smoke. She's on the phone with her dad. <clears throat> he says, get over as fast as you can to the side and just stop the car and get out of it. She's like, Dad, I can't because of the traffic. I can't get over. And so she finally, she just turns it and she goes and she's trying to get over. But as she's trying to stop, her brakes don't work. Cars flying around, you know, just speeding fast. Her car is on fire. And she literally has to open the door and bail. Miraculously, the Lord protected her and she survived it. But I'm going to show you a picture of her car. This is her car on the side of the road. There's another picture that just so shows you after the fact, just the destruction of her car. And 
there's so many pieces to this story that just time doesn't permit to tell. But we were like, hey, we get it. You've been through a lot. Just don't worry about it. She's not a speaker. She's not a traveling speaker. A young lady who just says, I've said yes to the call of God. But she's like, no, I expect stuff like this. She's going to be a live dead missionary. She's bought a one-way ticket to go and give her life to telling people about Jesus. Her mom passing away, her car catching on fire, her brakes going out, her having to open the door and jump. Can't stop her from two nights later getting up, telling her story of why she's committed to the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I listen to something like that and I'm like, I, I thought I was saved. And it makes me ask, what does it take to knock me off mission? When you're on mission, you're consumed. You don't see it as a clerk at a convenience store. You see it as a soul who needs Jesus. You don't see it as an offering bucket going by. You see it as, I'm laying up treasures in heaven. This dollar translates into souls. I'm going to do as much as I can to reach as many as I can. While I still can, it's more than money. This is mission. That's a little extravagant. No, it's mission. When you pray, it's not a Lord, bless the missionaries, Lord. No, you fight for souls. When was the last time you wept? When was the last time you woke up in the middle of the night? I'm not saying you should feel guilty if it's been a little while. I'm saying you should be concerned if it never happens. Who are the neighbors in your neighborhood that you're praying for to come to know Jesus? And if you were just sitting at a coffee shop with Paul, missionary Paul, and he asked you about that, how would the conversation go? Well, I really haven't had a chance to meet my neighbors. We've only been there eight years. Well, I think that they go to church. Well, at least I, I, saw their, I saw them pull out of the driveway one Sunday. So I think they're probably good. I think they're already. You don't see it as a job. You see it as, as my mission field. Tonight, the word has been presented just in terms of a reminder of assignment mission. So I prayed as hard as I could. I delivered it. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your heart right now. So what we're going to do is if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm just going to ask the worship team to to sing that song available. I would like to ask you to evaluate your own heart right now and go, are you committed? Are you compassionate? Are you consumed? And if not, what is it on this earth that has your mind preoccupied? And there's no good answer. There's no appropriate justification. There's no other option except for whatever I do. It's all in alignment to reach more people for Jesus Christ. And just wrestle with that decision. Are you available? Can you say to him, God, take me, use me, spend me, whatever I have, it's yours.
I belong to you. Spend some time just evaluating your heart while the worship team sings this song.